Good evening, all. Another episode of Bar Down Breakdown is upon us, and we are uh, very, very fortunate to have our, our buddy Kevin here with us. Kevin uh, is the VP of uh, A&R at one of our favorite labels in Revival Recordings. Um, I mean, you know, we've talked about them kind of ad nauseum, but I mean, uh, out of time, uh, the home team, um, I mean, we were mis- sharks. We were sharks, misery. Uh, I mean, like, geez, uh, ton of bands, ton of, ton of, um, you know, really, really fantastic signings. And, uh, definitely want to talk to you, um, you know, about the process of, uh, of, of all that. And we'll certainly get into that. But before we do that, uh, salutations, what's going on, Kevin, how are you? And, uh, thanks for being with us, man. Oh, thanks for having me. This is, this is awesome. I'm really excited, um, you know, to kind of be in here and talking about stuff that's cool, like music and hockey and, um, you know, things I enjoy and, and I just sure. get to enjoy as a passion. So yeah, absolutely. yeah. thanks. And, yeah, no, we, we, uh, we're definitely stoked to have you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not every day that, you know, we've, uh, you know, we, we took a lot of episodes, uh, on this podcast and we talked to, you know, artists specifically, and it's always a uh, great when we get to have the opportunity to speak to people who are on the marketing or the business side, mm-hmm. just because, uh, it, it's always a cool conversation because there's so much that, um, you know, goes into that side of music that you really don't know about. So I think we're going to, you know, scratch the surface of some of that uh, as we chat. But um, yeah, definitely. So uh, I guess real, you know, the first kind of thing uh, just, you know, kind of want to dive into. And it's always great to uh, give shout outs to some of our, our good friends. So um, I, I guess really the the latest signing uh, was our buddies in out of time. Would that be correct? correct? Awesome. Yep. So, um, you know, other than the fact that they're, you know, five dopes, um, you know, uh, what was the, I I guess just like, give me some insight. Like what's the process in 2022 that, you know, you in A&R would go through Mm -hmm. to kind of come to the actuality that you are going to sign a band? Like what are some of the parameters that you look for? Mm -hmm. And, uh, further than that, you know, like, 20 years ago, you know, obviously you would look at, you know, organic growth in terms of uh, touring and, you know, and selling demos and all that stuff. And now I guess you kind of look at more of the analytics side of streaming and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, for out of time specifically, uh, you know, like what kind of uh, drew you to them and uh, made you decide that you wanted to, uh, you know, have them as part of Revival Recordings? Yeah, I think there's two there's two stories, I think, in here. So the out of time story I think is a little different than maybe the, the standard or the, the typical way um, the okay. bands come in. So so mm-hmm. they had been recording some music and had reached out to me and sent some stuff. Um, and I wrote back to them and I said, hey, I, I can't do anything right this moment, mm-hmm. um, but I wanna stay in touch and I wanna keep hearing what you guys are doing. Sure. Um, you know, and, and that happens, like I try to, you know, with any bands that I'm working on, sometimes it's just a, a matter of what's going on with our schedule, what we have already sure. committed to. It's mm-hmm. a lot of times it has more to do with that than, than almost anything. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, when you guys have some new stuff, hit me up because I want to check it out. Mm-hmm. And they did. So like, I don't know, I think it was maybe six months to a year later, they came back around and they're like, Hey, we've got this record. We've got this video that we did. Uh, we're gonna send it over to you and I, you know, I want you to check it out. I was like, awesome. So I got it and I was like, okay, this sounds cool. Like for me, we're always looking for the, the progression, right? So like, is, is the new stuff that they're doing the best stuff that they have? And are they moving in the right direction? Are they showing that growth? And so 
I took it to Sean and Nick, um, who run the label, and you know, both of them in particular were like just super excited about the band, and we're just like, you know, this just is like something we care about. We're interested in working with these guys. Like, call them up, see what see what they're all about. And so then, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I hate to say it, but we're, we're almost vetting to see like, can we work with these guys? You know, sure, like, because it's, I mean, it's a close, it's a close relationship, and so. I called them up. We had a phone call. I thought the dudes were awesome. They were just, you know, for me, I'm always looking for bands that are smart and know what they're doing, but are also smart in the fact that they know the things that they don't know and are willing to admit to the things that they do know and that they don't know. There's a level of humility. I think that's really attractive in that mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm like that myself and um, they were totally right there with, uh, with me on it. So um yeah, it was pretty quick from that point on. Um, everyone at the label was was excited about what they were doing and and kind of what we thought they could do uh, as a band. And so, when when something like that happens, we don't we don't waste a lot of time. We just kind of jump right into it and say, "Hey, here's the things we think we can offer you guys. Does this work with what you're looking for and what you guys yeah. need?" Sure. Go back and forth, and then um, that's kind of how it happens. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the second part. It's a little different. I feel like a lot of times we're sort of chasing down acts that we're we're looking for. Got it. This was a situation where they had shown interest in us initially, and so mm-hmm. it just had to be reciprocated on our end. Sure. A lot of times, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm kind of chasing down stuff and and sending out a lot of notes, and sure. you know, you're just trying to to make some connection mm-hmm. and see what happens. And you know, there's a lot of competition that's out there, so mm-hmm. you can't always get. Uh, every band that you want to work with, um, and that's okay. We yeah. want to work with the bands that want to be here. So sure, um, as long as that's reciprocated and we think their music's great and what they're doing is really great, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on board with it. So yeah, sure, cool. Uh, well, so so hold on. So that that Kevin, <laughs> that's more of like you know out of time or old souls like us. Like, sure, they they did it the traditional way. Like that Correct. that's the traditional way where yeah you send your mixtapes to all the labels and. That that's the way it's been happening since you know Tom was in bands and Absolutely. I was going to see those bands. So like in the year twenty twenty two though, I would imagine that that's not the norm. Like yes, there's I'm I'm sure there's still bands that are submitting tons of music to you, but like how is it different in the year twenty twenty two rather than just the normal like sending your mixtapes and and pray. <laughs> Wow, so it's it's different in a lot of ways. Um, so the the first thing is like from the label standpoint, it's much easier to put out a record in 2022 than it was to put out a record in 2001 because we're mm-hmm. not creating any physical product for the most part. Besides, you know, the stuff that we do and that mm-hmm. people sell at their shows and stuff like that, or if they you know make vinyl and stuff like that. But we're not working with our distributor in the way that we have to have reserves on cash um, with them. And be you know protecting ourselves against returns mm-hmm. when they go to all the, the box stores and they don't sell, they all come back and just sit in a warehouse. Mm-hmm. So there's a lower bar in that way in terms of distribution is is available and it's available to anyone with a label without a label. Um, so that's obviously a huge difference. There's a lot of bands who are successful who can do it on their own in some ways, right? So they may be comfortable with 
writing, recording, distributing, doing everything themselves. Mm -hmm. um, I think those ones that are successful are probably more the exception than the rule. And most of the time they benefit from some guidance and connections and help. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, we look at the role of label as being additive to what they're doing. What, what do we do that? What can we add to this that they mm -hmm. can't get on their own? Right. That makes sure. sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think the biggest thing that's also different is I think bands are, are waiting more so for labels to reach out to them as opposed to the other way around. It almost seems mm. like mentality is okay. flipped in some ways. Mm. And I think that's because they can put out their music. Their music mm -hmm. can be in an Apple store and on Spotify yeah. and all this yeah. stuff. Whereas when I was a kid and I was playing music, it was like, I can't, I can only get my album in my local record store. I can't get it in a, yeah. anywhere else where I can't reach this person in St. Louis, Missouri or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think there's not that urgency uh, for them to 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 connect with the label, and I also mm -hmm. think there's a one of the things that I'm noticing a lot is there's a lot of not understanding what it is a label does for a band, mm -hmm. and a lot of questioning around that. Um, and I think, and that's fine. Like, I think there are certain bands, like I said, that they can do fine without you know a label, and that's great. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of bands that do benefit from it, and I think understanding what the what the cost benefit is of that is something that's not really out there in a lot of ways mm -hmm. I, I would i would definitely agree with that i think um you know I, yeah i mean in this day and age where you can just you know do a home recording and have it sound pretty darn good mm -hmm. uh, and then just throw it on to spotify and apple music and deezer or whatever you know the platform is pay a little bit of money to get it on there and then you know that distribution is wide that's worldwide you know you Absolutely. can get it anywhere now you know there are still again old souls we talk about out of time who you know we we you know we've I, you know i've talked to to them about the possibility of you know them putting out a vinyl and all that stuff mm -hmm. which they're you know really really excited on yeah. um you know and you know but it, you know in this day and age of course you're you're hit with another set of challenges with you know the turnaround time mm -hmm. and you know the supply is chain issues you know in creating um you know tangible things so you know, I think um, I, maybe it was No Sleep Records or Top Shelf mm -hmm. or like one of those labels that they kind of decided like, hey, you know, we realize there are all these turnaround times. We're kind of going to do one of two things. We're either going to have records come out when, you know, there's only a, a month or six weeks to wait for this tangible media. Yep. Or what we're going to do is we're going to release music. We're going to give you the option to buy it digitally. Mm -hmm. And then uh, with, when you buy it digitally, we're going to give you a coupon code to purchase the vinyl. Um, you know, when it comes out and you'll save a little bit of money on that instead yeah. of waiting, you know, eight or nine months, you know, I, I'm, you know, uh, as an example, uh, you know, the home team slow bloom, right. Yep. You know, I, I got a, you know, a response, uh, you know, about a month ago that says, you know, Hey, you know, things are slower than anticipated, which mm -hmm. is understood. You know, when, when Adele presses 500,000 copies of a record, you know, correct. I mean, you know, it, it, it kind of owned the plants. Yes. Right. Exactly. It can kind <laughs> of, um, you know, put you in a, in a bad position, but so I, you know, kind of like digging backwards. Right. So when I was, uh, you know, like playing music younger, you know, it was just kind of the advent of, uh, websites like, you know, mp3.com yep. or, pure volume or, or, yep. or MySpace, of course, where you could actually get some music out there. But still, even then, you know, you were always, as the artist, you were always chasing labels. Right. So it's really interesting for me to hear that, you know, there are now these instances where, 
you know, labels and AR reps and, and, you know, and talent acquisition uh, are, are out there looking for, for talent. And I guess um, the question I have for you on that note is mm -hmm. like, what, what essentially is your sourcing process? Because I imagine that, you know, 2022, I mean, there are just uh, in an, an insane amount of, of musicians and, and talent out there. So like, do you, do you get some like hearsay or feedback from people that say, go check out this band, go check out that band, mm -hmm. uh, number one. But then number two, when all of that feedback is gone, right? So let's say mm -hmm. someone says, hey, check out these six bands and you check out the six bands and you vet them. And now what do you do? Like, right. how, how do you go about sourcing musicians for you know potential opportunities to to join Revival? Yeah, it's it's hard because there are. You know, I think I can't remember what it was. I'm probably going to get this figure wrong, but it's some ridiculous number. I think it's mm -hmm. like every Friday there's like 60,000 songs that come out or something like that. that. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, so as an A&R person, you know, part of that gets cut down quickly because we're a label that specializes in a genre. Right. Sure. So mm -hmm. I think that 60,000 number sounds huge, but like yeah. a lot of that we're not going to work with. Sure. Um but yeah, a lot of it, as far as the sourcing, it comes from a lot of different things. One, mm -hmm. it could be if we have contacts with managers okay. who are working with, you know, some some new unsigned artists, they might send some stuff our way. Okay. Um, it could come from just bands. Well, this is probably more pre-pandemic, obviously, but mm -hmm. when bands would be on tour, um, if they were doing some regional stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew then that they were, they're working, right? They're out there, they're hustling. Yeah. That tells me a lot about, you know, how, in, how in it to win it they are for this, yeah, sure. you know, thing. So if I see a band is, you know, playing around regionally or they're, you know, doing weekends all the time and they're, they're mm -hmm. out there working that immediately, you know, sent, tells me like there's something to at least keep an eye on if nothing else. Sure. Um, other bands, obviously. So bands on the label are, you know, they're always out there. Again, this is more pre-pandemic when they're out there playing shows all the time. They may mm -hmm. be, you know, running into openers or the friends and things like that. Might say, hey, sure. you know, my friend's been working on this new record. It's really good. Check it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. The last thing, um, and I think this is where you get more into like the analytics and the data and things like that. I do um, work with a, like a software startup that okay. scrapes data from Spotify um, and kind of does a like a ranking of these are bands that are making moves in terms of the numbers right sure okay i use that as like a good way just to kind of source and look at things i try not to over um like you know put too much weight into it because these things we're i'm looking for longevity i'm looking for people who want this to be a career just because mm -hmm. someone does something really great for two or three weeks that's that's wonderful but i'm looking for the band that can sustain this, you know, yep. uh, but it, it, it gets you on the trail of checking out some artists and then sure. um, it's, it's really a long vetting process though for us, because we want bands that want to be here. We want bands that share the same values. We want sure. bands that want the same things we, we've, you know, it's a hard enough business. I think when, when everything is going right, yeah. Um, it's a really, really hard business when you don't see eye to eye on things or you disagree sure. with things. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's all of these things are just ways to kind of get in the door to start thinking about is mm -hmm. this band a fit for us? And then yeah. it's all the actual like boots on the ground work that goes into it. 
Got it. Yeah, I mean, because you know, you have to have people that are a cultural fit for you know what you're trying to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And you know, and that's a whole, you know, a whole side of this that you know I think a lot of um, times uh, people don't think about because you know mm-hmm. you can you could create you know beautiful you know fantastic music, but Absolutely. you know if if the people in the band aren't going to be you know a fit for your label or even further than that, if the people in the band aren't really you know kind of pushing out similar ideals or not really ideals as much as it's just like that, you know, are, are towing the line of what your, your label is, is important Mm -hmm. to your label. It's just not going to work. But, uh, but it is really, it's really interesting to hear that. Um, And I think the thing that's just so staggering is just like, you know, you, there's only so much time in the day and I mean, you can only get your ears onto so much. So, I mean, I'm sure that in your, you know, in your experience and in your tenure, I mean, you know, I have to imagine, and I'm, you know, I'm not going to ask you to like name names or anything mm-hmm. silly like that, but like, I'm sure there's like some stuff that like just might've been right on the cusp of your radar mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you materialize and you're like, damn, like, yeah, like, like they were, they were my eighth click and I just got to six clicks and right. I was just beat for the day. And all of a sudden that eighth click that you wanted to make, you know, they just, they just signed, you know, a, a you know, a three record deal with fearless and you're like, right. man, how did I miss them? You know? So right. um, I'm sure that that probably comes up a lot, you know, with Absolutely. you in terms of like, you see someone that you were scouting all of a sudden just pops up. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or you, you know, so there's going to be some bands that for whatever reason flew under your radar and you just missed sure, them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And yep. then you're like, then you look at your whole process of like, how the hell did I miss that? You know, like what, what's wrong with me? Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's first part. Then there's the ones that, you know, you know, you're actively going after and you know that other labels are actively going mm-hmm. after. Yep. And so maybe you win those, maybe you don't. Um, sure. You know, I'm, I'm a big person, uh, a, a big believer in these things. Will, they'll work their way out. Um, if mm-hmm. it's you know going to work out and it's the right fit, they'll, they'll come here. Um, and I'm also a big, you know, Hey, if some band gets offered, something crazy that I can't touch. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like I'm still a fan of the band and it's, it's okay. Like they have to make mm-hmm. the right decision for them too, from a business and life standpoint. So of course. Um, yeah. And it's, that happens and you, you do just like being in a band where you're sending your demos out all the time and you get a lot of no's, mm-hmm. you get a lot of no's, you know, as, as a label looking for artists, it's just, everyone goes through it. Um, so you, you get used to it. And I think that's the the biggest thing is you, know, you just keep plugging away and trying to find yeah. there's, there's bands, um, being made all the time, you know, it's yeah. an endless spring basically. And we're just trying to find the ones that we think, you know, work for us, yeah. uh, have the same, like you said, the same ideals, they're, sure. they're doing things that, that, that we like, and we just want to pour ourselves into that. And that's, and that's. I try not to overcomplicate it, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. yep. it's music. I, I even hate looking at other labels as, as competition because I, yeah. I like to think we're all, you know, we're all on the same platform of just trying to, to put Correct. these bands out. Absolutely. Um, and so I never, I'm never thinking like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe so-and-so got them and not us. And you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, it's, it's, it's okay. It's we're on to the next one, you know, and like, I'll yeah. probably follow them and, Maybe we have a good relationship with them, and you never know. Like bands come back around at certain sometimes. Sometimes you miss Great. one, and then they come back around. So yeah, for sure, it's, it's never ending. So I, I guess you kind of hinted at it. You have like this 
startup Spotify company yeah. that you're working with. But we had Jeremy on from Nicholas Rage, and he he mentioned how you reached out to him because like they were on a playlist. So uh-huh. like, how important are playlists in discovering new artists? Okay, so this one's this one's tricky because <laughs> the answer is they're they're important because they're a platform like anything else, and you get seen and heard by people, and there's a little bit of some level of validation because if Spotify's editorial people are saying we're going to run with this band, the likelihood is if they're on the label, they will probably continue to run with this band, right? So like from the label standpoint, if you're looking at like risk and reward, it's, it's an easier thing to see like, Oh, well they already got on like these three playlists. Like we probably can get them on, you know, one because the big thing with playlists is like, once you get on, it's, it's a lot easier to stay on. At least that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I don't want to overemphasize playlists because I think Spotify themselves in a lot of ways are starting to de-emphasize it and moving more towards, you know, all the stuff that's going on with your Discover Weekly, your your mixes that they're sending and, and all of these things that are a little bit more tailored specifically for you, I think is more where their their model is. Mm-hmm. And so I think this play, the playlist will continue to, to have value. But I also think it's bad for bands to feel like if it doesn't get on a playlist that the song is over and it's a failure, it's done, you know, and that, that is something that's somewhat pervasive. It's like, you'll work on the song, you record it, you put it out. It doesn't get on an editorial. You're like, well, it's over. <laughs> now we got to put yeah. out the next single. Right. And that's, yep. I want to, I want to try to avoid bands having that type of mentality. Um, sure. And I think it's been highlighted a lot more during covid because they haven't had these other ways to promote themselves of playing shows and really getting the response from the crowd on their songs um it's just basically like these people who are doing editorials are saying your song isn't worth it and and they're really taking that to heart and i and i get that but Mm -hmm. the longer tail thing is if you're building a fan base if you're really connecting with people whether or not the editorial playlists come around or not eventually won't matter you will determine your own success. And so that's something I, I try to talk to our bands about, which is you're not a failure if something doesn't hit immediately. And if yep. something doesn't blow up in the first week, like long-term eye on the prize, keep the grind going, you build it up the right way. So, so yeah, so that's then, one's, that one's tricky for me because I'm like, it's important, but also no. Yeah, <laughs> no, I get it. Into a, even a, I guess, trickier question then. Yeah. TikTok, like how important is that for you? Like, are you sitting on TikTok all day scrolling, trying to find like the next pop punk band? Because there's so many awesome unsigned bands that are mm-hmm. blowing up on TikTok right now. So I'm not, um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have others at the label who keep an eye on it. So a couple of the people at the labels who are are younger and a little bit more of that, you know, that age group and demographic where they mm-hmm. get TikTok a little bit better are, yeah. are filtering through a lot of that stuff and then mm-hmm. passing things to me. Mm-hmm. The thing I, I think the thing that I struggle with, um, with TikTok is these things hit and you get a ton of plays and a ton of reaction. Um, but I don't understand quite what the correlation is to a real fan base. 
in mm. terms of what is this really? Because we're all, especially in the, again, I'm going back to this pandemic. I feel like the pandemic has really amplified all of these things because yep. people are just sitting at home. There's nothing to do. They haven't been going to shows. It's like this non-reality for musicians where people who are really savvy at marketing and um, can, can really make a move. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of hopeful that when live performances come back, that this balances out a little bit more. Yep. Um, that because we won't be just sitting there on our phone all the time, maybe we're out there actually living lives and doing fun stuff. <laughs> that bands that are very performance based and and want that offline engagement, um, and and really are interested in building a fan base, will again have more of a place than I think they might have over the last year or two. Um, that is to say though, part of being a band in 2022 is understanding how to use and utilize these tools. And that's not because me as a and guy tells you that this is what you need to do. This mm-hmm. is because this is what the fans and yeah. people that listen to your music expect from you now. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't no, matter what I think about it. Exactly. Yeah. And you're at, you're absolutely right. It's just, you know, all of these, uh, these modes of technology are, uh, different, you know, avenues and touch points at which to reach, reach people. Right. So, you know, if you have a, a really good understanding of how to use TikTok as a platform or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, back when people were using Vine as a platform or, yep. uh, you know, and of course your Twitters and your Instagrams and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of an integral part of, of getting people to, to hear what you're doing. And again, you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, the 20 years ago point to that was like, you know, you didn't have all this stuff. So really mm-hmm. you were doing it in a more like kind of guerrilla marketing way, you know, Absolutely. like, I, you know, I, I could tell you personally, I would stand outside of uh, of venues and, you know, hand out dem- demos that I burned, you know, like um, that's the kind of stuff like you would try to get onto, you know, college radio shows maybe. Mm-hmm. And if you were lucky, you could get some exposure there, but uh, you know, two different avenues of how to do this with both of their own, um, trials and tribulations but the the one thing i i guess that's you know today that i could say is is a lot different than then is you know making you know getting onto these platforms is probably easier than than you know what we had to do yes but but you know getting good at these platforms and making sure that people are you're a utilizing it to its full extent but b you're doing it in the right way to again create organic growth is a whole another thing you know because i mean you know, I, I don't know the first thing about TikTok and, you know, Mikey, Mikey appears like starting to learn it. And he's like, right. oh, these videos are great. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, why are they right. great? And he's like, I don't really know, but they just are. So, you know, <laughs> and, and I and I guess there are some people out there that have more you know analytical minds that probably can mm-hmm. can understand that a little bit better. But um, so, you know, to to that point, you know, so you you kind of like you get all this information, you you kind of take it in you know, you make the decision as to, you know, the hierarchy of people that you want to reach out to. Now it's, now it's reach out time, right? So you're actually reaching out to these bands. And uh, so I guess let's look at it from your perspective Mm -hmm. first. So like when you reach out to a band, what kind of like, what questions are you asking them Mm -hmm. to to discern if this is really going to be a good fit? You know, like what, like in your position, what are you asking? Yeah. So the big things for me is I'm, I'm typically looking for a band that has some level of a vision for where they see themselves. And and it's not like the, 
where do you see yourself in five years conversation? Five years, it's, yeah, like, right. <laughs> it's not that. It's the, mm -hmm. what do you have planned over the yeah. next year to 18 months? Mm -hmm. What are you planning on doing? Sure. Um, you know, do you have new music that you recorded? Where are you in, in your thought process around this? And you can Got learn it. a lot from that because some bands who may be really good but may not have it really together might be like, well, I got these songs, and that's about the extent of mm -hmm. what they have. Some bands might be like, I got these songs, I got this tour lined up, I got this manager we're talking to, I've got this music video, like, you know, and they've, they've got it under control. And so it, yeah, it just yeah, shows yeah. a level of professionalism and seriousness. Sure. So I think that's part of what we're looking for. Okay. Um, songs and everything else for me are above all of that got it um it's got to have that first mm -hmm. uh and then it's looking for all the other things because some of the things that they may not have we may be able to help them mm -hmm. with either sure. or you don't have a manager okay well maybe we can introduce you to some people or you don't mm -hmm. have a booking agent okay we can maybe introduce you to some people so there's some things um that we can help them with along the way okay so yeah so i'm looking for that i think the other thing i'm looking for is um, an understanding of, of what the band is. Mm. And, and I know that's a kind of a, a weird thing to say, but like, are you guys just four guys playing music in a garage? Cause even that is a thing yeah. on its own. Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, are there certain, certain things that you're into that make your band somewhat marketable to people? Because again, with 60,000 mm -hmm. songs coming out every Friday, how are we going to cut yep. through on this? Of course. Like, what are you guys offering mm -hmm. to the world that these 50 other bands are not offering? Mm -hmm. You know, and yep. sometimes it, it could just be the song, but it usually needs to be the song plus some other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then it, it is, it's looking at how often, you know, are people engaging on social media um, yeah. okay. for their band because if sure. that shows especially during the pandemic it's like okay you can't tour you could practice sometimes um, mm -hmm. but did you utilize the time <laughs> that you had to to use the things and the tools that are out there to help push yourself along sure. or did you just say hey man like it's just this is, we're just in a pandemic yeah and you know because then you're not really fighting for your position agreed um, agreed so it's like it's all it's looking for that dedication, that passion, mm -hmm. um, that that thing that's interesting about you that 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 could be used to to help market the band. Um, all of those things <laughs> wrapped up, yeah, uh, is what I'm looking for. Okay, awesome. And then uh, I just have one other question, and then we'll uh, yeah um, talk about our sponsor a little bit and get into a little okay. bit of a uh, hockey talk. But yeah, um, so uh, objectivity, right? So sure. Um, and, and that's a tough thing, right? Because so I, I go back to, um, uh, you know, Mikey and I were very fortunate enough to have, um, you know, uh, Brendan Burke, who's one of the lead, um, you know, you know the, the lead play-by-play men for the, for the Islanders. And uh, it was really kind of interesting because we got him on and we were like, hey, you know, how, you know, you, you know, you've worked for this organization for so long. Like, you know, how do you keep it under control when, you know, the Islanders score a shootout goal and they win? And he right. was like, he was like, listen, he's like, above all, he's like, I love hockey. He's like, so I yeah. can paint a picture and that's my job. My job isn't to be a homer for the home right. team. My job is to, is to paint a picture for all the, all the, you know, viewers and listeners out there. So yep. wait, so was that also a music reference? I just, or did that just happen <laughs> coincidentally? Well, oh, cause I said the home team. 
yeah, like a homer for the home team because I feel like that's very related. That is that is very that's very true. We I, I would say that we are probably both homers for the home team. But, um, <laughs> but I guess to, so. To that end, um, you know, of course you have your own musical mm-hmm. tastes and stuff, and you know, how do you remain objective and listen to a band? Because like mm-hmm. th- there have been instances for me personally where I'll listen to something and I'll be like, man, like. I, I hate this, but at mm-hmm. the same time, when you peel the onion back, you're like, but I could see how this is marketable. Yep. So, you know, I, I'm sure that in your, in your line of work, you go through that where like Absolutely. you listen to something and you're just like, man, like I wouldn't be caught dead listening to this, but at the right. same time you can realize. So like, how do you kind of remain objective with that? Like, is there like a process that you go through where like something comes to you, you like, you hate it, but you're like, someone else might love it. So I bring it to this person and this person yeah. to get their opinion on it. So like, how does that work for you? Yeah. So we, one of the big things we're always looking for um, as, as a small label mm-hmm. with everyone pitching in and having their hands on every single project is a level of passion mm-hmm. from everyone on the team. So I okay. can say, here's a band that I think could do something, yeah. right? If the other six people on the team are like, nah, yeah. like it's not going to work. Of course. So, so they help balance that out and they also right. help to bring things. And I, let's say I present something and you know, like you said, it's like, yeah, I think this is all right. And mm-hmm. they might be like, no, man, this is, this is, this is awesome. They're doing yeah. this, this and this. And it's, it's nice because we have people of different age groups, different genders, mm-hmm. different, yeah. you know, different perspectives that sure. are providing that input that, you know, I, I fully admit I'm a 42 year old guy. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna know the coolest, hippest thing that's happening in sure. 18-year-old circles, right? It's just mm-hmm. not. That's not what I'm. I'm. Uh, that's not my my wheelhouse. But yeah, it's not, and it's not realistic either. Yeah, right. Just but we've got others at the label who are more plugged into like mm-hmm. younger groups. And again, like we're leveraging people, friends of ours, um, mm-hmm. other bands, and things like that who are plugged in and who are out there doing it. And I take all of their opinions very seriously. Sure. And that helps me to stay, you know, like I want to work with stuff that I love, obviously. Of course. Um, And I think, you know, I I think we've done that. I don't think there's really been, you know, there's never been anything that we've worked with that I haven't, Mm -hmm. I can't say that I don't, you know, put my name behind it. So yeah, of course. um, But you're right. I mean, there's definitely been times where I've heard bands and I've been like, yeah, I don't know, man, I guess it's not for Mm -hmm. me. And then the whole rest of the team is like, no, man, you're, you're just missing it. And then I spend some more time with it. And I'm like, oh, you're right. You know, I, yeah, I did. maybe I, I am. missed it. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I think being humble about it and understanding how subjective it is and that mm-hmm. I don't, I don't look at myself as being some, um, you know, know it all or like the buck stops here or like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever I say is going to happen here. And, you know, mm-hmm. like that's not, that's not how, hey, that's not how we run the label in general, yeah, but sure, like sure, that's course. also not a healthy outlook for anyone. I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> so yeah, so I use we use a lot of opinions to help fill yeah. out, you know, the role. And I can even think of bands like I ended up really like I loved at the drive-in when I was younger. The first time I yeah. saw them, I hated that band. I did mm-hmm. not get it. I saw them. Yep. They were um, touring on like in casino out, and I was like, I don't get this band. This band is dumb. This band, this mm-hmm. band is terrible. And like, I just didn't get it. And then yeah. when I got it, I was like, this is the, like the best band around. This band yeah. is amazing. It's, so like, yeah, you, yeah, 
I think we all it's funny, have it's those. Funny, it's funny that you mentioned at the drive-in too, because I think our last episode when we were talking to our our friends in Gold Steps, we were talking about uh-huh. like con. We were talking about like content, and just in general, like how you know certain certain content can get like kind of pegged for being like too wordy or too metaphorical. And I mean, that's like at the drive-in in in like a nutshell, like don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, the first time, you know, I listened to relationship of command, like I was like, wow. Okay. And then like, you know, you kind of get onto the internet for the first time. And like, I saw them play on, uh, I, I, maybe it was Conan or Letterman Mm -hmm. or I forgot what it was. And I I think they played like arc arsenal and they were just like maniacs. And it's like, wow, this is really, um, fantastic to watch. But, you know, at the same time, of course, like, you know, someone could listen to at the drive-in and be like, this is just complete nonsense. Whereas someone would listen to it and be like, oh my gosh, like, you know, all of the, you know, the, the music that led up to them creating this and, and, you know, their, you know, their, their heritage and, you know, like exploring this, some of these kind of like, you know, more like South American sounds or Latin sounds and like, you know, and putting this into post hardcore is just like the coolest thing. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's perspective in a nutshell. Right. But I just, I had to ask you that question just about how you can remain objective because if I was, you know, trying to find people for a label, I would just, I know myself, I, there's, there'd be, you know, five bands that I love. And if anyone sounded anything like those five bands, I'd be like, that's it. You could, (laughs) (laughs) that's the way to do it. But the other reality of it is like, you know, you want to not only find bands that, you know, have some con like some similarities to bands that are successful, but you also want to find bands that aren't just like cookie cutter versions of that, because maybe you'll be successful with a record, but then the second record comes out and they're not progressing and everyone else around them is progressing. And all of a sudden you're like scratching your head, like, "Uh, what did I do here? You know? Yeah, I think it's important. We we do really try to not have what I would consider to be a house sound. Mm-hmm. And I do think like we do have like, you know, we got a handful of pop punk bands. We got, you know, some stuff that that definitely fits. You could see like, oh, fans mm-hmm. of this would probably go along with this. Yeah. But I think it's something we all like <clears throat> a lot of different music. And so we want to have some some representation of different sure. genres and different styles and flavors. And I think that's one of the things that's hard too, though, is yeah. like sometimes you have some success with certain styles of bands and then they're bringing you, you know, some other bands that are, they're used to playing with. And so it's a little bit of a, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of like just getting more and more of the same. And so you have to kind of branch out and widen your, your view to find some stuff a little bit different. Yeah. And I, and I think revival is is definitely doing a a really, really great job with that. I mean, you can kind of see the the cross section of the the bands on the label, but uh, so before we, we, uh, we continue, Hold on. I know I know you're super anxious to talk DraftKings, Tom, but <laughs> I, I, I just have one more music question before we move into hockey. And honestly, okay. I don't even want to talk hockey these days. Like the Islanders are garbage. We just lost to the Montreal Canadiens. So like I saw that, yes. Yeah, it was bad. And <laughs> I don't want you gloating here being a Ranger fan. So we're I'm just not, gonna I'm not like that. <laughs> we're gonna just talk a little more music because Kevin, I'm super jealous of you because before we started like recording you were like yeah I, I studied for you know education i was going to be a teacher yeah and i mentioned how i'm actually a teacher right and i feel like you have my my kind of like my second dream job like if i could because i can't even clap on beat like i, I have no rhythm i have no musical abilities but i i feel like i could have been a great a and r person for mm-hmm. a label because i feel like i do have like 
that ear. Like I, I mm-hmm. can hear something within like 10 seconds and be like, yeah, that band's great. Or eh, maybe, maybe not for me. Yeah. So like, how, how did you go into linking up with revival and how does someone go into like being an A&R person for a label? All right. I'll try to give you the, not like half an hour version of this, <laughs> but essentially I played in bands growing up, met a lot of people, had some experience doing some touring and things like that. I actually worked at a music distributor um, when I moved down to North Carolina, I worked at um, Red Eye Distribution, which is located in Haw River, North Carolina, which is right outside of um, Chapel Hill. Okay. And I did I don't even know retail where that marketing is. For, for them. And then, so I did that for about three years, kind of got into the industry a little bit. Um, and then a friend of mine um, was playing music. He was approached by a label. He was like, I need someone to like kind of help me just talk to this label because I don't know what's going on. And so I kind of did that. I played like faux manager um, for him. So all of these experiences, you know, in music, around music, um, kind of led me to, I just actually emailed Sean and Nick one day and I was like, hey, uh, you know, I'm in the area. Um, I, I want to help in some way. Here are all the like things that I've done in my music career. Um, if you think I could be helpful in any way, let me know. And so they email me back. They're like, yeah, man, let's meet up. Let's go have some coffee and stuff like that. So I met up with them. We had coffee. We talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and they were like, yeah, why don't, why don't we try it? Like, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. You know, like let's, let's bring you on and sort of like no pressure, low risk, everything. Like, let's just see what happens. Um, and then it's like, then that you're at that point where you're just, it's the proving ground, right? Like, what do you bring into the table? Uh, what mm-hmm. context do you have? What, what things can you bring? Um, and then like, how hard do you work? And so, you know, it's, it was very organic. There was no vision, at least from my side of like what this was going to be. And, yeah. you know, so I think, I think a thing that for, for anyone that's, that's listening to this, is interested in a label is, I mean, shoot your shot, right? Like yeah. there's, if you're offering to help, and especially if you're offering to help with sort of no strings attached, you know, small labels, we need we need all the help we can get. And if you're offering to be like, hey man, I'll just send you like five or six bands a week if you want to like check them out, like stuff that I've found, mm-hmm. you just don't know where it's going to go. You know, you start mm-hmm. developing relationships. Um, it's not glamorous. It's not, um, you know, it's not great in terms of like, you know, providing for your family. It's not any of those things, but it's, yeah. you do it because you love it. You do it because you're passionate about it. You do it because you, you want to be involved in, in some way, shape mm-hmm. or form. And so, yeah, I think you know, if you, if you feel like you have something to bring to the table, I think you just say like, this is what I think I can do. So I think I can help and, and maybe they'll be receptive to it and maybe they won't, but um, I think you just kind of shoot your shot, right? Like what's the worst thing's going to happen? You're saying no, and you're still in the same spot. Okay. That's fine. That's true. So, so, so what was that first band that you brought to Revival that they ended up signing? So Do the first, remember? yeah, absolutely. The first band. So the first band that they ended up signing uh, was We Were Sharks. So I had a nice like first shot in there. Um, the second one was Nicholas Ray. And that, I feel like that was a, a messy situation, right? Like they were still like 
on another label, right? Or something like that. So they, victory had kind of like disbanded at that point. Um, and they were, they were free agents and they were out there looking for where's your, where's their next landing spot. And I had just, Mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know them. I didn't know their manager or anything. I just, again, I reached out and I said, Hey man, like, I don't know what the guys are up to. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're interested in talking about it, I'd, I'd be down for that. And he emailed me back. We got a phone call. It was phone call was good. Got Sean and Nick involved and it just kind of went from there. So yeah, it's like, that's the other thing is, I mean, I think you just have to, once you, once you're in the role, you have to be willing to just be able to put yourself out there. Like, I don't know this guy, but maybe, maybe we can work together on something. Cause I like, I like this band. I like what they're doing. Um, I believe in them. They're hard workers. I already know that. So it's like, mm-hmm. they're, you know, knocking off all the, all the boxes I'm looking to, to knock off. So yeah. Okay, that that that's a solid first band to sign with. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a good, yeah. it was a good, it was a good way to jump in. Yeah, yeah, great, really are. It's uh, but I, I, you know, I think a lot of again, you know, just not to beat a dead horse, but a lot of what Revival is doing is um, is fantastic. And I mean, you know, they're, uh, you know, the the cross section of who's on the label, just in terms of, you know, really great music. You know, out of time being kind of the the latest signing is just mm-hmm. like you know, a culmination of, of all they've done as a band. But I mean, you know, you, you look at like, you know, a band like, uh, again, you know, we were sharks and a band mm-hmm. like the home, the home team. And, um, I mean, you know, that front side even, and, mm-hmm. um, Nicholas rage and, um, you know, even like, t- you know, thinking about, you know, like uh, Alisana, right. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, they were like a tremendous mainstay in, you know, kind of like the, the post hardcore, mm-hmm. um, you know, development scene you know coming from you know i think what what, what were they they were on fearless or like one of those big labels. yeah right and so i mean it's just like that's it's awesome and you know and knowing that he's you know an integral part of 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 revival and what revival does you know is another great thing too because you have someone who is you know been in that music industry who's toured who understands mm-hmm. it like you know tremendously so you know having i i, I always kind of feel like labels that have um you know a great great wealth of, of talent, not just in terms of, of smart minds, smart business minds, but people that have actually done this. Right. Mm-hmm. So they have the perspective to be like, Hey man, you know, we'd love to sign you, but like, if you're not willing to, you know, get out there 180 days of the year, yep. like, you know, you gotta be, be realistic about that. So I, you know, yes. but I think, I think what you guys are doing is a, is a, is a tremendous thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm excited, uh, to talk, about DraftKings because I have to talk about DraftKings. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I'm just gonna uh, tell you really quick that, um, you know, you could, the great thing about DraftKings, right, is, I mean, uh, their sports book is like, is super easy to use and you can bet on, on anything. Uh, they are an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Um, you know, I don't do too much betting on hockey that much because it just bums me out a lot, but um, here's the deal. I mean, New customers, the whole deal. We've been talking about it weeks and weeks and weeks. You bet just one dollar and you can get $150 in free bets if they win. So I mean it's it really is that simple. So you put a dollar on you know the jazz to beat the Knicks, it's probably gonna happen, right? Yeah. So maybe you should think about doing that. But sportsbook, it's awesome. Uh, they're an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, they did some really great things, you know, for the Super Bowl, but 
everyone can play for huge cast prizes uh, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball content uh, contest. If uh, sports betting is not available in your state yet, but it's coming, um, you know, in waves. So uh, your state, you know, in the next couple of uh, of months might be. Uh, one of those states that it becomes available in. So uh, they're giving all their new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, now you can use that promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. $1 on any NBA team, you'll get $150 in free bets if they win. Uh, you just can't beat that. And, uh, you know, that's uh, promo code THPN. And that's at DraftKings Sportsbook. And, again, they are an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Uh, and just remember, you got to be 21 years or older, you know, and uh, minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. You see DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for the full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void were prohibited, minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, you can call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, you can call 888-789-47. Quadruple sevens, 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. And in New York, call 877 877- Dash eight dash hope and why or text to hope and why that's four six seven three six nine or who do you call Mikey? The movie life. Yeah, because if you have a gambling problem, you can just <laughs> listen to that movie life EP and you'll listen. To, it'll be walking on glass all day and you'll you'll feel good about it. Trust me. So um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit of hockey, right? Uh, you know, yeah. as as Islander fans, we don't want to do that, but. Um, <laughs> But we can because uh, we do. Uh, we're the show. That's half of what we do, sadly. Mm. Well, so uh, Mikey, uh, time and time again, because um, every time like the season's about to start, I'm always like, you got to watch out for those Rangers. Got to watch out for those Rangers. And he's like, what are you, a secret Ranger fan? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And yeah, then you sure, put that out in the universe. Sure <laughs> as shit. Sure as shit. What's going on with the Rangers? They're one of the most dynamic teams in the in the East. I mean, you know, you just it's kind of hard to believe that 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 <laughs> that pendulum you know like switch happened i mean it was just like the islanders you know everyone thought you know with the acquisitions they made in the offseason we're mm-hmm. going to come into the season firing on all cylinders and they were going to just you know be uh, you know another contender a cup contender and i mean it couldn't have been any different you know yeah. um and the islanders had a an unfortunate you know circumstance kind of working against them in that long road trip you know, leading up where UBS was still being built. So, I mean, that's a tough yeah. thing. It's a tough thing that happens. But, uh, I mean, you got to be ecstatic, uh, you know, as far as how how your your Rangers are performing right now because they're uh, they're looking mighty good, man. They're playing. They're playing really well. And I think the the biggest thing for me. So, like, I've been I've been ride or die with the Rangers since probably the mid well late eighties, probably like eighty seven, eighty okay. eight uh, time frame. Sure. When I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and um, and obviously I've, I've I've been with them ever since. But you know, you go through the ebbs and flows of yeah, of course seasons. You have some years that are that are good. You have some years that are down. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I think everyone anticipated. And this is going back, obviously, a couple of years ago, and they started trading away everybody, and mm. they they essentially said like, "Hey, remember, we're doing the rebuild. Get ready for the you know for the pain." Essentially, yeah, um, yep. it didn't. You know, it never really felt that painful. Um, it, you know, it bottomed out quick the the second half of i don't remember what it was a couple of years ago it was right before the pandemic i believe yep. mm-hmm. and then you know they've they've been able to kind of string together uh, enough of a team to to stay competitive and this year i can always tell how a ranger season is going to go based on how the first 10 to 15 games go if they get out and they get out hot 
that I know we're in for a good year. Mm-hmm. If they get out and they're like kind of 500 or they're even less than that. I know it's, <laughs> we're in for the struggle. So oh, yeah. oh, they yeah. got out hot um, and they've, then they've stayed hot. And I've, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised I have to say at, at how well they've played because I still feel like they're a pretty, you know, top two line heavy team. You third mm-hmm. and fourth line, like most teams are, you know, they're not amazing, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're hanging in there. Yeah. Um, and I'm just excited because anytime there's the chance for playoff hockey, I'm and and the Rangers are in like, that's, you know, that's going to completely take over and dominate my life until they either win the cup or are eliminated. So yeah, <laughs> most of the time they get eliminated, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because you don't live in New York. I, I know you are from Rochester. Correct. But you live in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Durham, North Carolina. Yep. So do you catch the Rangers two times a year when they come to PNC? So I would say pre-pandemic, yes. Since the pandemic, I haven't. I actually haven't been to a game. They're coming in March. Um, I think it's March 20th or 21st. They're playing a game here. And so I'm like, I've got that date as like my... I'm going back to to hockey games, kind of getting back out there. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, anytime they would play here, I typically would go um, to the to the two games that happened at PNC. Yeah, and I, I can speak from experience being an Islander fan. Like we take over that building right. whenever the Islanders are in town, and yep. I would imagine the same, the same. happens when the Rangers oh, are yeah. in town, just yeah. because of how many New York transplants are in that area. Like, yeah. It's wild. It's fun. Yeah. It's like, um, and, and it's the same, honestly, like when the Sabres come through too, because there's so many people from, you know, from Buffalo area or Rochester area, whatever that they have mm-hmm. down here that are Sabres fans. So yeah, it's always like at least 50, 50. It's like, you know, when the Rangers score and most of the time when you're the, you know, the visiting team and you score, it's like quiet, but like, no, it's, it's like a party. It's awesome. I love that part of it. I feel bad, but, um, because I feel like the Hurricanes have done a lot of really good in terms of, you know, building um, a fan base here and really kind of getting a strong foothold. Yeah. But, you know, those roots, those New York roots are hard to, to get rid of out of people. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the, the Canes fans, they're, they're sitting pretty right now. Because oh, my gosh, yes. The, the last time, you know, the Islanders were in the playoffs against the Canes, like, they swept us and yeah. I was there for game four and they were ruthless. I, I felt like they have had like that buildup of all those years of like the opposing team fans coming in and like right. taking over the building. Mm-hmm. So they just let it all out that night. And, right. it, and like typically like being an Islander fan, you're just like, yeah, I hate Ranger fans. I hate them. Like, right. you know, we went to middle school together. We went to high school together. They they talk so much shit. Like, right. hate Ranger fans. That was the first time in my life where it, like, kind of shifted. And I was like, whoa, I think I actually hate Hurricane fans more than Islander <laughs> fans. Like, this doesn't make sense. But right. they, they, like, let all that out on mm-hmm. us that night. And then the next season the Islanders opened uh, against the Canes Mm -hmm. and they started the sweep, sweep, sweep chant again. And I was like, wait, this is a new season. Like why am I going (laughs) through this again? And they just let us have it. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm all for for like hockey growing in non-traditional markets. Yeah. And like that showed me that the fan base had a pulse. Like yes. they kind of understand what's going on now. They they are invested in their team. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, season tickets have gone through the roof there because when I first did, started doing like these aisles meetup things, which is my yeah. other passion project, yeah. like we would be able to get 200 tickets in the lower mm-hmm. bowl. Like they, yeah. they would just be like, yeah, have as many tickets as you want. This past season, they're like, sorry, Mike, we don't have enough inventory for you. Like yeah. we can give you like 50 here, 50 there. And like not all together. Right. So like that right there is showing me that the, the city is, is buying in. And like, yeah, I, I think with the Carolina Panthers not doing so great, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like, Hockey has kind of been like the the number one sport in that market. Yeah, well, sure. I think, I think one of the things too, I always think about this, like the culture of the area, mm-hmm. the culture of the area for um, not only for the people that live here, but then also for the the sports teams that they root for. This is a very competitive area of the country. It's highly educated. Um, everyone's like this crazy overachiever. Like, you know, I have you know crazy job that you know, required me to go get my doctorate at this like elite institution or like, you know, one of the best state universities that exists in the country. Mm -hmm. And then you have the sustained success of like college basketball programs in the area where I think these people in our area are just used to winning. Like they, it's a culture of people who, who win. It just is Mm -hmm. like, you know, NC State's won the championship. Duke's won the championship a handful of yeah. times. Oh, yeah. UNC's won it a handful of times. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So this is like the one thing that they can get together on and agree on. And so you get, I think, a lot of that energy that you are on the receiving end of, of like, finally, we get to talk about, you know, our team and we're, we're winning like, like we're supposed to be winning. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. think there's something to the culture of the area that's kind of like that. And yeah and i think you know that you you get a lot of that with again some of these other you know kind of like quote unquote small markets for hockey mm-hmm. at least that are now coming up and and, tre- and being tremendous i mean you know yeah. uh the preds in nashville um yeah. you know are are you know and, you, and even like when you look at um you know some of the other like you know southern teams you, you know, take a look at like the dallas stars you look at yeah. the um you know uh the 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 cats and and the lightning i mean yeah. even you know right yeah. i mean yeah. um and kind of interesting um i know development i guess it happened last week where um marty st louis uh mm-hmm. took over for the for the canadians and of course right. like the second game that he took over he just you know wipes the floor with the island well i shouldn't say wipes the floor with them but i mean the islanders didn't play a good game but still you know the, the habs got that win right. um so you know and and marty st louis i mean you know he's, he's part of the you know oh my he's, gosh he's, yeah he's, he's part of you know you you got the opportunity to you know to to watch him and yes. uh so, you know, one of the things I kind of want to talk about is, you know, looking at the Rangers roster right now is, I mm-hmm. mean, you've got a lot of tremendously young talent that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're going to be able to build around. Of course, you've got, you know, Lafreniere, who's, right. you know, still 20 years old and he's going right. to develop into probably, you know, an unbelievable player. You've got, you know, you've got Capo, you've got right. Braden Schneider, you've got, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Keandre Miller. And of course, right. you've got Shisterkin, who is like, you know, right. 25 or something. And he's turning out to be just an absolute madman. So, right. um, in Fox, is young too yeah he is he is so it's almost i i kind of feel like it's it's it is an exact like a tremendous paradigm shift because i feel like two or three years ago 
um, people were talking about this same thing with the Islanders. They were like, oh, look at like this talent they have. And, you know, they've got, you know, they've got, you know, Barzil and they've got Pellick and they've got all these guys that they can build around. And, uh, you know, and the Rangers were kind of in like rebuild mode. Like they had no idea what they were doing. So now, you know, it, it almost looks like the, the paths are going to be crossing, you know, a lot of, you know, hockey Twitter is talking about the Islanders kind of fire sailing and, you know, potentially, you know, trying to find a a place to move, uh, you know, Varley and Bailey and, you know, some of these other guys and, you know, even, I don't think it's ever going to happen, but, you know, there's even rumblings of talking about dismantling, you know, the, the Islanders iconic fourth line at this juncture. It's like, Mm -hmm. you don't really know what's going to happen, but you know, you guys are in a great position. Um, And not only are you in a great position, but like, as you know, we approach the the trade deadline, which you have to correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember the exact date of it, but I mean, like there's an opportunity for you guys being contenders to get someone loan. That'll just get you right there. You know? So, um, uh, is there anyone, I guess that you've had your eye on, you know, as we're approaching the trade deadline that you think would be a a great, great piece of the puzzle for the Rangers? The only one that, that really fits the bill for me. And it's because he used to be on the Rangers and I loved him was JT Miller. Oh sure, yeah. So right, okay. Uh, that's that's who I want. Like I didn't want him gone in the first place, right? Yeah, so, like yeah. that was that was a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. You know, we traded him to Tampa. Um, what we got back was no. It di- it didn't work. It didn't work the way it was supposed to. We we essentially helped Tampa. You know, win some cups here. So sure, sure. Um, yeah. I want JT Miller back, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know what. I don't know like. I never have a good gauge on like what it costs, you know, like mm-hmm. from young talent to picks to, yep. you know, that. And I don't know, I'm not like a salary cap guru person where I can look <laughs> at it and be yeah. like, oh man, if they do this and then they like yep. do this guy, like I'm very much like a nuts and bolts, like just watching, watching the team and, yeah, and right. like the way it could be constructed. But JT Miller would be wonderful for yeah. me personally. Even if they didn't, honestly, even if they get better, I just like him so much that I just want him back on the team. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, like, you guys are lacking a little of that, like, third and fourth line depth. Literally, right before we started to record, I read one trade rumor that actually links Cal Clutterbuck going to the Rangers. And I was just like, God, like <laughs> they're gonna break up the fourth line and then send him to the Rangers. Right, right. Send oh, him that right. Would, the... That would hurt. Right. But listen, at this I, point, I see that being a good fit because that's exactly like what you're looking for. Like yeah. he he throws the body around. I'm pretty sure he's like top three in hits right now. Mm-hmm. He also has a ridiculous wrist shot. Like it's, he does. It's one of the best. And you know, in the playoffs, that that's the kind of guy that you want to bring in, like a yeah. glue grit kind of guy. Yeah. So I could see that happening, and I, I think you guys could probably get him for like a second or a third round pick at this oh, point. Yeah. So right. that, that, that's just one of the names that literally I read you right know, before we jumped it, on this call. And it's funny because we uh, once. Oh, Tom, Tom just disappeared into his mansion. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I just had, I just had to cough real quick because that, of how. And, and Kevin, if you don't listen to the podcast all the time, that's just a clue that Tom's room is a disaster right now. <laughs> that's an ongoing joke with some of our former guests. Like, hey, how's Tom's room looking these days? And it's like, it's oh, never looking good. Never, not good. never looking good. That's why I'm in this mansion. Right. But um, man, I was watching, you know, some Olympic hockey and like. Yeah. 
I saw I saw my my boy Franz Nielsen just like score an effortless looking goal, and I was like, can the can the Islanders just take him back? I mean, like, <laughs> like what? You know, we're we're already in deep with like seven thousand year old Zdeno Chara. Like, let's right. let's take on forty five year old uh, Franz Nielsen. <laughs> right. while, while we're at it, let's just go get Poso back from the Sabers, and right. you know. Richard Park is probably somewhere sitting at home. He probably Dude, wants to play some Richard, hockey. I would take Richard Park back in a heartbeat. Yeah, of course you would. But it's like, it's a, it's a you know it's a tough thing for Islanders fans. But um, the one thing that's been like coming out of this this season that I think is just so remarkable is just seeing the kind of like the expert play out of really some of these teams. Some of the teams that you know you would kind of expect, you know, right? Of course, the Avs over in the West are having yeah. having having a great time. Great team, yeah. But um. But the interesting thing, I think, is just in general looking at um, kind of the the Pacific over there because mm-hmm. it's like kind of the I'd say the weakest, really the weakest division in all of uh, all of sports, like all of hockey, I should say. So much right. so that like you know people are calling for you know like kind of realignments to make things right. kind of seem fair because I mean like when you look at it objectively. You know the the flames who have been who have gone on yep. just a, a crazy run, a huge tear, yeah. But you know they're they're leading their division with sixty six points against you know right. Uh, you know the, uh, let's you know look at the the metro right. I mean you've got uh, you know the, the caps are just right on that that border there, but yep. you've got four teams that are better than that that yep. are you know going to be essentially one of them is going to be fighting for you know a wild card spot potentially. Absolutely. So you know I I don't know how how that's going to go. I, I thought when they realigned the divisions for the pandemic. Um, you know, of course, it was out of necessity, but I thought right. that, that made for some really interesting things, especially that uh, just like all all Canada, all Canada division, yeah. which I thought was super cool. But, um, you know, I, I wonder, like, would the NHL benefit from some sort of alignment or even like doing it kind of the way like the NBA does it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, the NBA really essentially just takes the top eight teams in every conference, regardless of division alignment, right. and just says, OK, you're the eight best. You know, we're not going to, you know we're just going to seed based on whose record mm-hmm. is better instead of looking at uh, divisions and wild cards and all this kind of stuff. I wonder if, if the NHL would benefit from that, or do you think that the way the NHL kind of sets it up now is, is, is better. So I don't, I don't really, I understand why they're doing it the way they're doing it, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the top three teams and there's some incentive to not, you know, come in fourth and yeah. all that, you know, you don't want to be in the seven or eight and you don't want to sure. play one of those top two teams, especially of in course. the East. You don't want to play Florida. You don't want to play Tampa. You know, you no, don't want to play don't, Carolina. Yeah. You don't, you want nothing mm-hmm. to do with that. Yeah. Um, I, I guess maybe because when I grew up, it was more like, okay, you got a division winner. I like the idea of like a division winner automatically is in the top like a one a two or a three even if it's a bad division and then past that it's mad scramble because i think they play enough um you know similar opponents Mm -hmm. you you know it's a you know we're playing over 80 games so it's not like we're playing 10 games and like you know yeah some teams that are getting missed i Mm -hmm. and you know the nhl i feel like is always trying to to screw with stuff to try to you know, find something that they think is going to push them over the edge. Well, I Agreed. think it just kind of is what it is mm-hmm. in the States. Like it's a huge sport in Canada. It's wildly successful there. I think it's very successful in a very specific audience here in the States. Sure. Um, and I think they should just continue to kind of cater to those people because they're hardcore. Mm-hmm. They're all in. So I yep. would prefer the like back to two divisions. We're just doing, if you win the division, that's great. You get a one or a two, and then 
everyone else is just a scramble to see what. Hell yeah! Doing. Bring back the Patrick. Bring back the Wales. Yes, exactly. I'm for it. I'm yep. for that. There was nothing um, wrong with it. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Hey, so um, you got to shout out Stephen Patrick when you do that from yeah, Rising Sun. That's though. true. Yeah, that's true. The the lineage is real. So um, let's let's talk um, let's talk ninety four, right? Because yeah. uh, you had the you know the opportunity and the privilege to see the Rangers lift that cup. I did, uh, and I mean, and that team, uh, you know, uh, was unreal. You know, you yeah. had Messier and Graves and Leach and. Uh, like Richter, Richter and um, was was Buka Boom on that team yet? I yeah. think he was, right? Yeah. Stephane so I mean, Mateau. like, yeah, of course you can't can't forget that that name ever. I mean, that's <laughs> well, they in, never let you forget that one. Oh no, that's in, that's in New York New York lore for the for the rest of eternity. But yeah, um, so share if if you can, you know, share some memories of uh, of what you remember about that cup win. Um, yeah. you know, maybe maybe outside of talking about how the entire city of Vancouver just like lit everything on fire, <laughs> bunch of I sore really- losers. I really don't remember. It's funny because I don't remember much of the first two rounds, but I remember mm-hmm. everything about the series against the Devils and then everything against about the series against the Canucks, yep. mm-hmm. you know, without being like the most obvious person, like everyone goes to the the Messier, we're going to win, you know, like yeah, everyone goes right to that. Yep. Um, yep. I was, I think, young enough at that time and hadn't had my heart broken enough times by <laughs> sports teams to be like, oh, mm-hmm. they're going to win. Like I was yeah, naive right? enough to be like, oh, they're definitely going to do it now. Because yeah. like you mm-hmm. just said it, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've learned now as an older person that like, yeah, just because some guy says it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah. It didn't um, work out for, was it Matt Hasselbeck? Was that right. the one who was like, we're going to get the ball and we're going to score. And then <laughs> didn't, didn't do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I, I think the biggest thing, that I remember was not liking the devils a um, mostly because like, you know, obviously hockey was much different back then, right? Like you could just chuck the, you know, if the puck was in your own end, you just chuck it over the the boards and it wasn't like a delay a game. And like, yep, yep, I felt yep. like they were, you know, Scott Stevens and all those guys were just out there looking to crack people and then just chuck the puck over, <laughs> over, the, over the boards. And like, mm-hmm. that was their whole thing. So it yep. was like, I, I, the way they played the game was so boring to me mm-hmm. and I wanted to just, you know, see a little bit more skills, things going yeah. on. So sure. that's the first thing I think of. Um, obviously I think about the, you know, the game six where they, you know, come back and have the win. Yep. Um, and then I think about the Stanley cup, it was interesting because again, being young when they played the games in Vancouver, Mm-hmm. I want to say at least one of them had a really late start time. Of course. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being like exhausted the next day, <laughs> like just, yep. you know, and I think the Rangers lost the game that I stayed up super late or like one of the ones I stayed up super late for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the last memory that I have is just how intense game seven was and how nervous and anxious and like mm-hmm. pacing around my family room I was. Um so much so that it was like, like wasn't really enjoyable until the game was over. And then it wasn't even enjoyable. I was just so relieved that it was over. Like they had finally I feel won. like that's exactly how I would feel. Like I, <laughs> I unfortunately never experienced like the Islanders cups, but I feel like that's how I even felt like when the Islanders like were eliminated from the Eastern conference finals this past year, I kind of just was like, so mentally exhausted i felt relief even though they didn't win i was just like i can't take this anymore like my body yeah. was just so drained <laughs> yeah so yeah i feel like that's kind of how it must feel it's it was like it was amazing and obviously i was like super excited when they won 
but I was so drained. Like, you know, the, the it's a, it's a, you know, I don't even know how long of a run it was. It's like, it feels like it's like seven years of your life where you're mm-hmm. watching first round, second round, conference finals, mm-hmm. Stanley Cup finals. Um, that when it was over, I was just like, I was so relieved that that they did it. And it was more like I celebrated the next day. Like I was yeah. like, wow, this is awesome. You know, like they, they actually did it. They got the cup, you know, the whole thing. And then you're like, you know, you get the, the parade, you know, like a day or two after that. So you yeah. like, they extend it out over a week. Sports Illustrated comes out with your team on the cover. They got the commemorative edition. Like you, then you really like get into it, I feel like. But at the moment it was just like, oh, thank God they won. <laughs> <laughs> like I had too much time, too much energy, too much like tears and sweat of and whatever course. invested that oh, yeah. I was just happy. Um, but like didn't have a party at all. It was just like, oh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> now, do you have one of those iconic like black and white, like half half black, half white, like Stanley Cup championship hats? I do not have one of those. I wish I did, though. So. I'll never forget this because I was probably like eight, nine when, when they won the cup or I, I'm not even going to try to do the math right now on live podcast. But I remember the grand union in our, in our town, Tom, that shopping center. Yeah. Yeah. There was like a vacant store in that same shopping center and okay. they just literally made it New York Rangers, Stanley cup <laughs> merchandise. Okay. I and that. I remember just like being a hockey fan, like, oh, let me like check this out. And the whole entire store was just like the Stanley Cup shirts and the hats. And I yep. just bought one of the hats just because. Yeah, of course. And I like think back to all the Stanley Cup hats that like have come and gone over the years. And I can't remember a single one of them. But that was for some reason that Rangers Stanley was, Cup hat. It was quintessentially. Stick- 90s that's what it was man it was, yeah, like you, it was just like made no sense it was just like black and white not even like the rangers colors or anything you, you know and and it's like you like there are little things about that 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 i remember you know i remember um like me specifically i remember them giving messier the cup and i remember mm-hmm. him like like doing the sh- the cup shake right should, yeah you know yeah so like that's one of the things i remember from that and then i remember like very vividly, like on, um, I think it was on like news 12. Cause I would, uh, I, my, my whole thing, I still do it sometimes to this day to the, to, to my wife's, you know, much to her displeasure, but I used to fall asleep with the TV on. Like, that's just one of the things I did. And I would always fall asleep with, uh, uh, with like ESPN on. And, um, I, my mom started to kind of get wise and she would like set the cable box to just like turn off. Right. So, you know, I'd wake up in the morning to get ready for school and you turn the cable box back on and it would, at least in my house, it would automatically go to News 12, right? So News like News 12 was like the, the, the channel it would always go to. And I remember uh, the morning after that, uh, going to News 12 and they were reporting on, you know, the Rangers winning, but they were specifically reporting on the rioting in Vancouver. And I will never yeah. forget that. I'll never forget seeing that car on fire and mm-hmm. then like flipping a car and i just remember being like damn like that's crazy and uh i for some reason um i had like a pa- like a pavel bure poster mm-hmm. um, oh, i loved him so much and uh and i remember like even though like i was you know 7 or 8 years old and i was like our you know uh, kind of an islanders fan i remember just like like 
taking it down and being like, oh, these guys are sore losers. Like, I, you know, I can't like him, even though, like, I loved that old, like, Canucks 90s, like, yeah, uh, like logo like and dark stuff. Color but, the, yeah. But, so, and, and so the other, um, you know, unfortunate memory that I, uh, that I have, you know, 20 years in the future, of course, 2014, where, uh, you know, the Kings just edged it out against you. I remember mm-hmm. uh, watching with um, a bunch of my friends who were Rangers fans. And uh, the thing I just remember from that was just, uh, I guess, what was it? Was it um, Lundqvist just like laying on his stomach yeah. for that like little bit of time? And it's just yeah. like, and I'll never forget like how hard that poor guy worked yeah um you know to to win that series and just like i mean i think what what was it five five games or something five games yeah it was a four to one series yeah yeah. and but but the man i I think like he he stopped 200 shots yeah he did everything he could like what else could you do and you know of course now you know it going forward and hearing you know that he's he's you know finally retiring and he's you know um but i i have a feeling um that henrik lundquist ends up in some capacity in the front office for the Rangers, you'd have to think at some point. But, He'd be um, great. Yeah. He'd be great. People love him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously he knows the game. Um, yeah. He's got the international experience. He's got, you know, yeah. he's kind of like the, he was the the toast of New York, you know, for so long. Yeah. And I think people remember that. I think people remember that series, even though, like you said, they lost four games to one. They remember yep. like he went out like doing everything he could. And he sure it's did. too bad that, you know, He's got an Olympic gold medal, you know. He's yep. the only thing he doesn't have is is that cup. It's and, a cup, yeah. Um, it's it's unfortunate because, and that's one of the things sports is really cruel because you'll see guys who get a cup who are half the player, and this happens mm-hmm. all the time, right? Oh, Maybe yeah. even oh, they yeah. just were, you know, a fourth line winger, or they were like, yep. you know, they just came up on it on a team because some guy got injured and they yep. played like yep. you know eight minutes a game or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get their name on the cup. Here's this guy who's like, but that's, you know, it's, it's a team sport and you gotta, the, their team just wasn't good enough, you know, to, yeah. to get it done. And the Kings were and, hot. And yeah, that, that Kings team was, was electric. Really, I mean, quick, really was, quick was ridiculous, you know, yeah. like he was, he was just as good. He was up to the yep. task. And mm-hmm. yeah. Was, but I, you know, tough one. but I think you guys, I mean, you know, the way the team is shaping out to be with some of the young talents you guys have and, um, you know, everybody clicking, who knows, man. I mean, you know, the next couple of years could could be could be the Rangers time again. You know, uh, it, it remains to be seen. I, I think it does. Yeah. So uh, we've been we've been chatting for about an hour 20. So I uh, just want to kind of sort of wrap things up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but the one last question I do have to ask you just to pull it back to a music question. Um, yeah. And this one will kind of put you on the spot here. Okay. Uh, but I always, I always love to do that. Right. Um, so, so we were talking about out the drive-in before, right. You know, one of those yeah. bands that like, you just kind of, you know, you, you, at first you didn't really love them, but then when you finally figured them out, you were like, hell yeah, man. You know, like, yeah. So, you know, there are just a ton of bands that I'm sure you grew up listening to mm-hmm. that have since broken up or disbanded, mm-hmm. but you know, let's just say in the mythicality of all this, you know, you have an opportunity to sign to revival, um, you know, a band that has, broken up and is gone and all of a sudden they just decide you know we're going to get back together and we got to find a label uh so of all of those bands that you grew up listening to if you can give me one that you would absolutely if they ever got back together you would in a heartbeat just be like gotta be on this label gotta be on my label gotta work with them i mean there's keeping it to one is it's like probably so hard 
Oh yeah. Uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and it's completely impossible, is Nirvana, obviously sure. for me. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's since that's <laughs> since since we can't do that. Can't do that. Um, one. <laughs> we can't do that one. That they're not getting back together. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think I was a when I was younger when I was like between the age of 14 and mm-hmm. maybe even 18. And this band is still around. Uh, my my all-time favorite band at that time was Strung Out. Yeah. And I would do anything, I think, to work with them on mm-hmm. on a record. And that would be that would be such a like full circle of my life. Um mm-hmm. To be able to to work with those guys like i used to you know go anytime they'd come around i would go see them that sure. would be so yeah and they're still around like i said they're still yeah. playing and they're still doing stuff sure so that are. doesn't exactly answer the question but yeah i mean i think a lot of those bands that were really formative for me was a lot of mm-hmm. those epitaph and fat records bands oh, back yeah. in you know the, the late 90s mm-hmm. um so you could pick yeah. you could cherry pick a lot of them out of there and mm-hmm. i'd be like oh yeah hell yeah we have to work with them and I, and I think one of the cool things that's happening now, um, Vagrant Records is doing it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Epitaph is doing it a little bit, but like some of these, uh, Equal Vision is even doing it. Some of these, uh, you know, these bands that are you know long gone, um, you know, we're, we're seeing vinyl records are, are coming yeah. out and, uh, you know, you get to kind of have a piece of history. I mean, for me, yep. um, you know, I, like that kind of West Coast punk, like got me into punk rock, yep. you know, like a buddy of mine, like, you know, I think we were playing street hockey and he took a boom box out and he plugged the long extension cord from his house. And I think he put on like one of the first punk aromas or something. So, yeah. you know, I got to hear bad religion and no effects and pulley and uh, you know, strung out and uh, you know, lag wagon and like all these bands mm-hmm. that kind of got me into punk rock, you know, from like your green days and your Blake 182s. And then um, from there, I just developed this love for like the kind of punky emo stuff. And like, that's, yeah. We're not, you know, like Vagrant Records, like kind of like yeah. just took me over. And now Vagrant is doing all these like 25th, you know, anniversary yeah. releases. And I'm, I have an anniversary record on, on vinyl and it's yeah, just like, cool. what yeah. the hell is going on, man? So yeah. it's, I, you know, I, I think about that. Like if I ever, you know, someone dropped a couple million in my lap, you know, I have a, I have a whole plan already of what records I'd, I'd want to press, even yeah. if it would take nine months to do it. But at the same time, like <laughs> if I ever started a record label, like I know exactly like, you know what that avenue is and exactly who i'm i'm trying to i'm trying to get what about what yeah. about you mikey i, I just i'm kind of curious a band that i would want to sign or like yeah like let's say you had your own record label and then uh you know a, a, a band is you know coming out of retirement out of nowhere and you got the resources to to you know get them signed on for that last record who are you picking i i think it would have to be as tall as lines right i feel like they need mm. another shot like it doesn't make sense to me why they weren't the biggest band at that time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if, if people like even go back and listen to like the, their latest uh, record, you can't take it with you. Like mm-hmm. if people go back and listen to that now, they'd be like, Oh wow, this is still a very like underrated album. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I think that they need one more shot. And then like, look at what Dan's done with Olivia Rodrigo. I was just like, about sure. to say, he's like been gone on to be a songwriter, right? Yeah. He's, like, no, killing he's, it. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. Like, he's doing he's, great things, he's, man. Yeah. Going to be winning Grammys. Like, right. <laughs> right. He's doing good. Yeah. yeah so like, he good. clearly has, has that songwriting ability in him. Mm-hmm. I just would love, I, I would I just, love it to be an as tall as lines album. <laughs> sometimes I think bands like that, like it's just a timing thing. 
Like, it is. They, they, they just them were... or Steven and the Sirens. They mm-hmm. like were two bands that just it doesn't make sense to me why yeah. they didn't blow up and then like other bands at that yeah. time did. And it's like why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sense. yeah. For for me, for me, that that band is probably is and always will be the Graduate. I mean, like I just. Mm. I just I I can't for the life of me understand why they weren't you know playing in the same stratosphere as Fall Out Boys and Paramours. Like I just yeah like or I'll made a par- like it. why weren't they with like made a parade and yeah, like you just, those bands it doesn't make it's sense. just those those intangible things that you just never know you know right yeah. place right time who knows but uh, um you know I, I think that's super cool and uh, of course if I could uh, ever like take. Uh, like a mineral or a Texas is the reason. Oh yeah. Pluck them out of retirement and just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so, yeah. uh, but you know, time in the sun, uh, you know, just definitely love to hear it, but, um, Kevin, man, thank you so much for, for giving us this insight, man. You know, I, I, am sure we could probably go another like two hours and I can nitpick oh, and, easily. And, and I, I have so many questions that I, <laughs> you didn't even let me get to Tom. Well, all right. Here, here's the deal, Mikey. I'll, if you lead us out this time, I'll let you get a last question in. How about that? All right. So here we go, Kevin. So <laughs> let's do it. I'm sure out of time is not the only signing that revival has planned for 2022. What are we expecting? I'm, I, I'm obviously you're not going to tell us exactly who, but Correct. are we expecting a, <laughs> a big year out of revival, like five, six signings in that range, more or less. I don't think five or six. I think that's probably a little high. I think maybe three or four. Um, okay. And the reason why I say that is one of, the, <laughs> one of the things I think that's really important to me, and I, I think Sean and Nick would agree as well, is making sure that we keep the roster efficient in some ways and, mm-hmm. and not bloated and so that yeah. we can really can do the best job that we can for the artists that are here. Um, and I would worry about, you know, adding a, even just a couple more on top of that, that it's just, it's just harder to really concentrate and I think do the best job for them. So I think mm-hmm. three or four is probably a safe number. I think five or six is a stretch. Now, any, anything could happen. You know, I could get a call tomorrow that some, you know, it's, it's a no brainer for us and let's like, forget it. Whatever you yeah. just said last night doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, but <laughs> um, assuming that, that my life is normal tomorrow, I would say, yeah, I would say three or four just to keep it with a good rhythm more than anything. Yeah. All right. I love but I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited about the stuff that we, that we're working on and that we're, we're, we're actively trying to bring on. Um, I'm, I'm excited about some of the conversations that are going on with some of the bands and I think I have a lot to offer. Um, and I mean, obviously I would think that cause I'm trying to bring them on board, but like, I, I feel right. really good about, about what they're doing and, and what they represent too as people. Hell yeah. Love that. Love to hear it. Love when the homies are doing great things and <laughs> revival is a label that we have just praised on here for for years now it feels like so we're that's, we're uh that's highly excited. highly appreciated i mean it's it's like i said it's a it's hard to 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 keep bringing on new bands and and we we feel we have a we've set a bar for ourselves and so mm-hmm. if, if we're if we're recognized for anything um a consistently high level would be 
you know, the thing that makes me the most happy, whether or not we're the biggest label, smallest label, most yeah. whatever label, just mm -hmm. that people recognize that it's a, it's a place for quality and consistency. I think that's, that's really important to me anyway. Couldn't have, couldn't have said it better myself. I, I think that's, <laughs> that's what, what really makes you guys, um, you know, one world-class really does, you know, the, the, Thank the, you. the quality, um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, again, I know I've said it a bunch of times, but just the, you know, the, the type of music that you guys have on the label, um, you know, it's not all, all the same. It's, it's different. Right. It's very vibrant. And, uh, and I think it's super cool. So Kevin, thank you so much, man, for chatting with us. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll, you know, when inevitably, you know, the Rangers win a cup and the Islanders don't, and like, I'm crushed under like six feet of sadness. Yeah, right. You're going to be at the parade. It sounds like <laughs> you, you, you're secretly once again, just a Ranger fan. Listen, man, I, I, I just give credit where credit's due. And that team is just like, they just look so good, man. I, I wish the Islanders would, would get their shit together and, and be that good. But then again, I, you know, the Hurricanes are so damn good. And Dude. so are the yeah. Cats, man. It's like, who the hell knows where this is going to go? But yes. I think it's going to be a really, really enjoyable next couple of weeks as we approach the tread, uh, trade deadline to see who goes where and who does what. And then, of course, you know, in a couple of months, the playoffs will be upon us and it's going to be awesome. So, yeah, Kevin, Kevin, we're, we'll, we'll pencil you in for for some playoff talk, because I'm sure oh, that'd be great. You'll you'll have the opportunity to do it. Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe if you guys are playing like the bees or something, we'll, we'll find some some poor Bruins fan to come on here and. And, and discourse it out because uh right um, that's that's just that's just how we like to do it we just like to put people on edge and hopefully get into you know podcast fights that's all that's all <laughs> we want to do my dad likes the bruins a bit so you can bring him on and yeah perfect and i can just talk to each other yeah we'll just have we'll just have a a, da a dad fight i love having dad fights but that's uh right. but you know dad fight 2022 but kevin thank you so much uh yeah thanks um, for having me go check out uh you know all the great artists on you know revival recordings uh you know again our buddies and out of time uh who we love you know we're just uh, fortunate enough to sign there but uh, we were sharks, the home team, Alisana, um, I set to kill. I mean, there's just like an enormous amount of artists that are doing great things. So go check it out. And um, uh, I think that's all we got, man. So uh, again, Kevin, thank you so much for, for being on and uh, you have a great night and uh, we too. wish you all the best and can't wait to see what revivals got coming in 2022. Absolutely. We, uh, we got some stuff. We'll, we'll put some stuff together for you. Oh, so, so pumped. Can't wait. <laughs> Good times, good times. All right. Peace, brother. Thanks a lot. Take care, man. Have a good one.